Hello and welcome to this episode of The Gaming Podcast. The Gaming Podcast is the official podcast of Gaming Magazine, which looks at the video game world with a queer twist. You can check out more from Gaming Magazine by visiting GamingMag, that's G-A-Y-M-I-N-G, mag.com right now. New episodes of The Gaming Podcast come out every two weeks. If you're new to the podcast, please click subscribe so you don't miss another episode. On the show today, I am joined by Kirsty Fraser, who's a developer, making her debut on the show. Hello, Kirsty. Hello, thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. And for regular listeners, it's uh, the wonderful Matt Cameron, freelance writer, uh, back for another time in the studio. Hello. How are you? Uh, all right. Yeah. 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 Fe- festive out. Happy New Year to you both. Happy New, Happy New Year. How are we looking forward to 2020? Trepidation, World War Three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> 2020 was going so well until day two when Australia set on fire and yes. day three when uh, everything started going wrong on the geopolitical front. So, But day one was amazing. Day one was great. Because yep. you had Doctor Who and you had Dracula. Mm. And day one of Dracula, no spoilers, was the best episode and it sort of pitched off a cliff from there as well. Uh, I'm planning to marathon it now all three yep. are out, but I need to set aside four and a half, five hours to do that. Yeah, they're one and a half hours each. Mm. So yeah, that's they're, they're intense, but they're, they're really good, actually. I quite yeah. enjoyed them. So welcome to the TV gaming podcast. Yes, welcome to TV <laughs> gaming, sort of random chat at the top of the show. Uh, we're not talking about Star Wars this time. We're done. We have cleansed our souls with Star Wars, as we did on the last episode. But 20 minutes ranting on Doctor Who, though. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to talk about that one either. <laughs> um, this is the first episode of 2020, so we'll be looking forward to the year ahead as well as talking about our usual topics. Our opening segment is called What's in Your Slot? This is where I ask each guest to talk about the game they're enjoying playing at the moment. Uh, I'm going to kick off. Um, For Christmas, I got Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, Amy has talked about this a lot, our deputy editor, um, as our sort of resident uh, Star Wars geek. Um, And it's really, really good. And I think it's good, and I think it's worth celebrating the fact we actually have a good Star Wars game. Good single-player story-driven. Correct, game. exactly. Yeah, not not Battlefront where you have to run around with a load of people online spending <laughs> an exorbitant <laughs> amount of money, uh, giving all your cash to EA that you had for Christmas. Um, no, it was really really good, and I've only got a few uh, hours into it, but I think the mechanics are really cool. You get some good lightsaber moments. It ticks like every major fanboy sort of thing. You got the force bits. You got the lightsabery bits. You can you can sort of bat the um, Stormtroopers shots back at them yeah. with a lightsaber. All of the classic sort of stuff is in there. Do you see what I was saying previously, though, that it does feel a bit like, oh, here's the Assassin's Creed influence, here's the Dark Souls influence, here's the Metroid influence? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think if if you're looking at it in terms of is this a brand new game, probably not. I, I don't think... It's a bit like Outer Worlds. Mm. Um, the views that we've had about Outer Worlds throughout the sort of last few weeks of doing this which is the fact that it doesn't feel like a new game. There's nothing particularly new about it. Um, that being said, it's Star Wars. The music I actually found really, yeah. really cool. It's, you're living the Star Wars dream. It does have an excellent score. It has an excellent score, very John Williams-inspired. So you are, so as you explore and you uncover stuff, you get those beautiful sort of motifs in the background sort of thing. So you do really feel like you're in a Star Wars and playing a Star Wars film, which is really cool. The only thing I, I think we griped about it um, a few episodes ago is the choice of the lead character. In a world of a galaxy, I should say, of a thousand and one different permutations of a hundred and one different types of people, you're going to go with a white guy as the sort of lead character of this. I get it. They were, they're sort of basing it around, obviously, um, Cameron Monaghan. 
um, who's from the US version of Shameless. And, and, if you, and uh, Jerome and his twin on Gotham. But that was oh, yes, not, not the Joker. Yeah. For legal reasons, not the Joker. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I, 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 I just... Not that everything has to be woke and not everything has to be PC and everything else. However, you've got an opportunity to go wild, and they didn't. They made him ginger. That's that's about as wild as you got, I suppose. But I have ginger friends who insist that they're a persecuted minority. I don't necessarily agree with them. I think in the last the podcast we talked about this, I actually called them a protected group. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> the glares I got off that one, I think I got a bit in trouble for saying that, but never mind. Um, no, I just... I, you know what I mean, Kirsty? It just sort mm. of... It, you sort of feel like you were promised an awful lot with the game, but they never really land it in a sort of place where they could make sort of brave choices. Yeah, and I think that that's one thing I kind of enjoy um, when I'm playing games anyway, is obviously kind of being able to play characters that you don't normally see in video games. So obviously, as you said, a lot of white male characters, um, whereas obviously we've kind of becoming to a point now where you can obviously get so many range um, of stories interwoven into games now. So, um, but yeah. Sounds good. I, would you recommend it as uh, someone who will hold their hand up and say that they've never played a Star Wars game before? Um, I, I put it a different way. Are you a Star Wars fan? Or at least not fun, not full frothing at the mouth fan, but just even just a, a, a person who enjoys Star yes. Wars. Play yes. it. Okay. Play it then. Because I think it's good. I think it's good enough to carry that sort of... Um, like I say, it ticks every sort of major fanboy, fangirl... Uh, box. Mm -hmm. You run around with a lightsaber, you do stuff with the force, didn't need to sound too dirty, but you do stuff with the force, you run around with the lightsaber, uh, you have the amazing score, sort of very John Williamsy sort of thing, you're exploring new worlds, slicing and dicing and whatever else. I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it, it's a good game. And, and as Matt said, it's the first sort of first player solo adventure game from Star Wars in a long time that's actually any good. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely worth playing. Uh, well, you've sold me on it, so. Cool. Excellent. Matt, what's been in your slot um, <laughs> over the over Christmas? <laughs> um, I've been going through uh, minutes, which I finally picked up on uh, Epic Game Store because it was uh, a comparative matter of pennies in the sale, um, and that's a delight. It's um, a sort of Zelda alike, but you only have one minute at a time to play it and then oh, i see i was wondering what the minute related yeah. to as I, I had no concept of this game it's, so it's uh done sort of black and white 8-bit style um but uh there's persistence between each minute of the main character's life so the first thing you do is you you find a sword and then you've always got that sword when you respawn oh i see um and it, it's just a very cleverly put together uh puzzle adventure uh i've also been bit of a VR wanker with uh, Beat Saber, uh, which is a fantastic game to play over the holidays when you've got friends over. It's also a really good game to introduce people to VR with because it's your stationary within the game. You're just slashing the beat blocks as they come towards you. So if it's somebody's first time in VR, they don't need to worry about how they're moving in a full 3D world. I see. They yeah. just need... Yeah. like the, the most movement they will physically need to do themselves beyond the slashing is stepping to the left or right or ducking under uh, walls or blocks that fly towards you. So it's, it's really easy for people to get a grip on it. Um, I've been playing it on Oculus Quest as well, so it's cordless, mm. which makes it even easier to introduce to people because you don't have a massive tether coming out the back of your head. Mm. So That's, you, that's you, always been my one thing about VR. That, um, I had a friend who introduced me to it 
a while back on PlayStation VR, mm-hmm. and I was I played I can't remember one of the horror games um, where you sort of go around like a bit of a roller coaster and you have to sort of shoot things as mm-hmm. you go, like an interactive sort of arcadey thing. And as as much as you try to get into it, and as much as you try and enjoy that sort of three sixty view where you can move your head around, um, the fact that I still had this sort of tether on the back of my head that and a lead sort of slapping on my leg and all this stuff that I knew was still physically around me, it didn't it didn't immerse me in yeah. a way that I needed to be. If immersed. anything, I find that stuff kind of pulls you out of it a bit more because you're always worried about like, oh god, if I like pull this cable out, I'm going to pull my entire media center over, or I'm going to exactly. like, yeah. kill my PC or whatever. So having it cordless on the Quest is is excellent. Um, on PSVR, though, I find some of the better games are the ones that are tailored to the fact that you are stationary. So um, mm. Farpoint, which is a shooter, um, your broad movement and look controls are on the thumbsticks of the, the light okay. accessory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you, you kind of just need to orient your head around a bit to get a full of you, um, and that works quite well. But that that's taking into account the realities of the PSVR headset having mm. a massive cable coming out the back of it. When VR yeah. headsets can uniformly go cordless and have higher optics, I think that's when it's going to mm. really take off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last game we've been playing is um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore, which is the ridiculous... Title. Yeah, like, <laughs> just rolls off the tongue. Um, <laughs> which is the Fire Emblem Persona sort of crossover that came out on the Wii U and nobody saw because... No Wii U, Wii U. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, again, catchy title that everybody would have caught. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, you, you can see that on the shelf edge label, just being yeah. like, I definitely want that game. Yeah. Um, ter- terrible name, brilliant game. Okay. But uh, review is coming up end of the month. Very good. Awesome. Just quickly back onto VR because you ran away from it. Realized quickly, and I saw <laughs> Kirsty sort of like jumping at the bit trying to talk about VR. Thoughts on VR? Yeah, um, so my first experience with VR was EGX, very noisy, and it was, I think, the first round of um, the Oculus, so it was not to the height it was then. Um, was sitting down and obviously kind of using a Xbox controller to move about, and geez, oh, I felt so ill after the first, like, five minutes. It was terrible. Um, basically was given a sort of room that you could go about in, and obviously me being me, okay, we'll go up to the highest point and look down. I was like, <laughs> I don't have a fear of heights, but dear God, I'm never doing that again. Um, and so, yeah, that was my first experience. I've had a go of PlayStation VR as well, um, which, again, I think is probably the more accessible one, I feel, um, just for price point. And obviously, a lot of people already have a PlayStation. You don't need to go out and buy a massive like gaming PC to subsidize for it as well. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of viewing it a bit more. And it's I still feel it's kind of in a sort of demo-y, gimmicky thing where mm. if you're at a convention or if you're around at your mate's house, Yes, you'll go and have a play of it, but it's not something that you're kind of like, oh, I need to get my own. Oh, yeah, so that's my thought on VR is that it's very much a gimmick because um, it, it's nothing that I think it's, it's in such an early stage. It's not really inspiring me, as you say. It's, I'm, I'm no, I wouldn't be the sort of person that would sit there on a Saturday afternoon and think, oh, I'm going to play a couple of hours of VR. Mm. It, it, I, I think it's like 3D films until they've cracked the whole thing about as a glasses wearer not having to have another pair of glasses sort of balanced on my face in front of the first pair of glasses. Um, I just think it's not quite there yet. And I think the cables don't help and the price point and the extra kit that you need. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know some of the 
Samsung phones claim to come with glasses that you put on. But I mean, that's literally like looking into a matchbox for yeah. sunlight or something, isn't it? But well, that that was the basis of Google's um, Daydream viewers, where you basically just slot your phone into the the lens headset, and your phone did all the work. And last last month, maybe November now, uh, they announced they're pulling support for Daydream VR because there's there's just not the the yeah. uptake for it. I think mm. I think the benefit to Quest and PlayStation VR um, is developers know exactly what they're working for. If you're doing uh, PC-based VR, mm. it's the same as developing for PC games in general. You don't know what every single user's hardware yeah. system mm -hmm. is going to be. Yeah. Whereas with the Oculus Quest, because it's a self-contained mm -hmm. unit, and the PSVR, because you're working to what the PlayStation 4 can put out, mm. that gives you a, a bench line, sorry, benchmark to... Yeah. Yeah, produce for. Yeah, um, and I think that's starting to come through because you're seeing more consistency in those games. They're not necessarily going to be the flashiest, but they're going to be a, a stable experience for people. Yeah, Kirsty, what have you been playing? Uh, so, kind of brought my Switch back home to family for Christmas, and obviously was needing a bit of an escape from family routine and eating terrible amount of food. <laughs> um, so, as any other person normally does, goes to the Twitter ask for recommendations. Uh, somebody had recommended me Sayonara Wild Hearts, which I can confirm. Go and get it. It is amazing. Um, very short game. A sort of arcade racer-ish um, with a lovely narrative that's flowing through it as well. So um, I think I, I kind of summed it up as an easy game to get into and obviously start playing, but a very difficult one to maybe master as well. Um, so for each sort of track that you go through or each stage pretty much you've got sort of different ranks bronze, silver and gold and obviously me being me uh, very <laughs> much a completionist is wanting to get gold rank but um, but yeah it's just a lovely game to sort of pick up and play um, throughout the holidays um, and as I said just lovely narrative as well so definitely a, a genre of games that I would like to see more of and play more of as well mm. so. I know Ed, one of our writers um, is obsessed with Sayonara mm. and he'd sort of you're basically playing a pop album, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, or a music album. And it, that's this weird sort of new breed of music games that aren't just rhythm games. Mm -hmm. um, you're sort of living your way through the music, which sounds really cool. And it's always good to have those levels, bronze, silver, and gold, because that really does help encourage that sort of replayability, mm -hmm. particularly if it is a short game. Yeah, I think I probably took maybe about an hour and a half, two hours to get through it, you know, with some oh, well. failings. But mm. um, but yeah, like as you said, you are pretty much kind of going alongside the track um, and obviously actions are coming out. You've got a few quick time events and such. So, uh, but yeah, I just think it's a very well crafted game um, and such. So I'm very excited to, as I said, play some more of it. So. Great. Matt, have you been playing Sinara Wild Hearts? Or is that no, I got a hands-on with it last year at E3, um, but I haven't had a chance to play the finished version, oh. but hearing nothing but good things. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it got nominated on one of our, at least shortlisted for one of our Game of the Years, mm -hmm. um, based on sort of the glowing reviews that a lot of people give. Yeah. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be back with What's Hot on Gaming Magazine right after this break. <laughs> Amy, you love yourself some merch, don't you? Yes, I love some merch. Well, brace yourself, we now have gaming merch. Ooh. Yes, indeed. We have caps, t-shirts, hoodies, bags, and so much more with three amazing designs. We have the gaming magazine logo design alongside two really cool wordy designs, one saying game on and one saying let's go gaming. And yes, 
That is with the Y in the middle of those words. They sound awesome and I want them all. Well, Amy, you and all of our UK and EU listeners can head to gamingmag.com forward slash merch. That's G-A-Y-M-I-N-G mag.com forward slash merch right now and go shopping. It's Christmas coming up too, don't forget. So go treat yourself and your gamer friends. Gamingmag.com forward slash merch, you say? Yes, indeed. Gamingmag.com forward slash merch. Welcome back. I'm here with Matt and Kirsty, and this segment is called Best of Gaming, where we talk about our pick of the latest stories from Gaming Magazine. Matt, I'm going to come to you first. What has caught your eye on Gaming Magazine these past couple of weeks? So Amy did a really good piece on um, 2nd of January um, on the game. Basically, in 2020, play the games you want to play, not the games that you feel you should play. Um, and I think that you can expand, expand that a bit beyond games with films, comics, any, anything that's got hype behind, there's a tendency for anyone who spends any amount of time on the internet that they, they have to play, see, read, watch, whatever it is. Um, and I, I feel that feeds into quite a, a toxic fan mindset. Um, and so like Amy's argument is just don't, don't feed that machine. Mm. Um, and she talks about how she's never been into Pokemon and she decided to give it a try over Christmas, picked up Pokemon Shield, put like 15, 20 hours into it, and it's not for her. And that's absolutely fine. You shouldn't feel compelled to spend hours or days on something that you're just not enjoying. And I think it would lead to a much healthier fan base for games or film or whatever. I totally if you do feel compelled to play stuff. No, I totally agree with you. I think it's really important. And I think I was, I was very happy that was a sort of way of kicking off 2020 with mm. such a positive message. Um, I think, as, as probably as, as someone similar to Amy, I, I don't tend to sort of flow with some of the more popular choices. I'm not a JRPG person. So I can sort of scratch Fire Emblem and mm. Astral Chain and that sort of thing off that list. Um, I've never played a Pokemon game in my life. So I'm one of my sort of... 2020 confessions it just doesn't do it for me um so in that sense uh i can see it totally mm. and and in, in the same way as like just just play what you want to play and enjoy it don't feel like you have to play something and also the reverse of it as well which i think you which is probably where the toxicity comes in which is the fact like don't feel like you have to hate something because it's cool to hate that thing mm, very much that mm-hmm. um we mentioned right at the top of the show, obviously, about sort of some Doctor Who stuff. And spoiler alert, if anyone's uh, not caught up with the most two recent episodes from New Year's Day and uh, yesterday. past Sunday. Sunday as we... Yeah. As, yesterday yes, as we're recording. Yesterday as we're recording it on the Monday, but Sunday from the... Whatever. Um, yeah, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> um, about the return of the Master and how rightly or wrongly we might feel about that, given how well that story was kind of parked with Missy. Mm. Well... It's kind of interesting that it doesn't make any effort to show where in his yeah I, parcel there are many ex- yeah, there, there's, there's ways and means of sort of like wibbling out of that one but I, I think more importantly I think that the 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 constant sort of hate that's thrown at season 10 11 11 and 12 whatever we're on 11 and 12 about Jodie Whittaker and, and Chris Chibnall and all that sort of stuff if you enjoy it watch it love it play it watch it play that as well you know what I mean it just just do what you want to do It'd be super positive for 2020. Let's just get on with it. Play what you want to play. Hate what you want to hate. Love what you want to love. And if everybody 
on the internet is hating on something, that doesn't mean you have to hate on it as well. I mean, I'm someone that sits here playing bloody Lego games, um, and I will always defend Lego games till I die, but they're not on the cool list, I'm sure. Um, and some people might hate them, but whatever. That's just one of my things. It's yeah, I think I can kind of relate with the... So I'm a massive Assassin's Creed fan, so I'm sure you both know um, how it went very high, very low after Unity, which, you know, some people were... As soon as I say that I love Assassin's Creed games, they're like, oh, but this one was terrible. And I'm like, you know, yes, okay, it has its pitfalls. You know, um, I would like to say now that obviously they've kind of taken a bit of a break and then come back that, you know, really enjoy it now. But um, but yeah, as as you were saying, it's just very much a case of like, some things aren't for you and that's okay. Mm. Um, and I think for myself as well, I'll sometimes start playing a game and feel like I need to finish it before moving on to another game. And whereas now I'm like, you know what, if I'm not enjoying it, throw something else on. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Mm. So well done, Amy. That's a great story. Go and check it out, have a read of it and see what you think. Yeah. Uh, Kirsty, let's move over to you. What have you caught your eye on uh, on uh, gaming? Another one from Amy. We're slowly turning well into Amy Famicom. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was her piece um, just before Christmas last year with um, Ashley Birch on voice acting and sort of queer characters in video games. Um, as someone obviously is a bit of an ad- advocate for pushing this forward, it obviously drew my attention. So, um, And yeah, I just really enjoyed reading uh, about Ashley and obviously her work with um, sort of the characters that she helps voices. Um, massive Life is Strange fan as well, so... Um, yeah, just kind of, I personally quite related to Chloe and really enjoyed playing as her um, in the first game. And uh, yeah, so it was just really interesting and kind of, I think it, it brings up the very valid argument of having obviously not only just queer stories being told, um, whether that's in written text or something in video games, but also the voices behind it as well. Um, I think having believable characters you can get behind is very important. Um, for people in the queer community. Um, as someone who identifies as female as well, I know female characters are a bit few and far between sometimes as main um, characters in games, so yeah. Yeah, I think it's really, really ex- um, exciting to have that interview. I mean, when when Ashley's PR um, sort of said, yeah, that'd be really great and let's do it, mm-hmm. um, I think it was a great little coup for us before Christmas as a relatively junior magazine. Um, but as we spoke about in the last episode, with honours and, and rapidly up and coming. Um, to have, to welcome Ashley into the sort of gaming world um, and, and celebrate her creating so many. I mean, when you mm-hmm. stop and look at her IMDb, the number of strong, positive LGBT characters that she's voiced in games, mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. Um, and she has kind of become the voice of, of, of queer gaming. Yeah. Um, and I, I think... Yeah, we, we really enjoyed interviewing her, and Amy did it again, did a really good job of interviewing her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it teased out some really great stuff as well that we she talked about building her character, the work that she puts into it as well. Yeah. It's not just reading lines off a page. And I've, I've always been fascinated, because we spoke to, um, as part of Gaming Live last year in London, we had uh, another voice actor, Ryan Lawton, um, who is um, a gay male presenting uh, person on the show talking about voice acting. And he was talking about how it's really important to make sure that you have authentic voices and authentic stories and people behind the characters. And I think I've, we were talking briefly about the differences between playing a character in TV or on film or whatever else and the amount of stuff they have to capture just in their voice alone, whereas because you're not seeing them. Um, 
I think it's amazing. Yeah. And, and the amount of prep work that Ashley, that Ashley does for all her characters as well is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Cool, right. Uh, the story that I'm going to talk about uh, from gaming um, was actually written by uh, Ed. So and unfortunately, it's not an Amy hat trick this week. Um, Ed wrote an amazing piece about RuPaul's DragCon UK queens as Pokemon. Now, Pokemon, I think, are the drag queens of of the gaming world. Yeah. Um, and so we figured that matching them up with the queens that are in attendance at RuPaul's DragCon, uh, the UK version, obviously, uh, would be a really, really fun story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really, really fun. Uh, for those that don't know, obviously, uh, RuPaul's DragCon um, is a convention of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, there's been variations in LA and New York City, and obviously now we're having our first one this year in the UK in London on the 18th and 19th of January. Um, it's a cultural movement celebrating art, inclusivity, pop culture, and all things drag. And I'm just going to have a quick flick through some of my absolute favorites. Please, please go and check this out online. You can go and see it. It's on there now. I mean, some of them are absolutely hilarious. It also proves that Ed is a shady little bitch as well. Because <laughs> there are some choices in here that are very subtle. I mean, bag of chips. Come on. Yeah. Grimer. To go with Grimer. Mm. With <laughs> I think Angina was probably my favorite. It just made me laugh at like, on the train <laughs> through. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, was it Angina with... Um, Diglett. Oh, Diglett. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was... Sorry, Angina. <laughs> I love you. It's okay. But there's some other really sort of fun ones. Obviously, Morgan McMichaels with um, Lenoon. Um, because she's an absolute beast of a queen, yeah. but in a, in a really powerful kind of way. Mm-hmm. She takes no proverbial. Um, I think somebody criticised online, so this is happening live, so that we are literally having people mention something on Facebook, and I'm reading it out immediately. I'm not naming them, whatever. They questioned our choice of Mrs. Kasha Davis and Jinx. Now, if, I can't, obviously, for a podcast, I can't show you all the photo, but if you look at the photo of Mrs. Kasha Davis and Jinx, they're identical, yep. and we're not doing it even by on sort of thing. It's just like it's, that's an amazing matchup. I think the same with um, was it the Vivian as well? Was it Nine Tails? Yes, Vivi- Vivian and Nine Tails. The think, big flowing golden yeah, mane was yeah. amazing. Uh, Trinity the Tuck, the, <laughs> the slightly more shady version of Ed's coming out on this one because uh, um, he basically talks about how uh, Porygon is a man-made plastic Pokemon um, and very much likens, <laughs> likens them to Trinity. <laughs> So, which is fair, and Trinity be the first to admit about that. And of course, uh, matching up Vanji uh, with uh, Loudred as well, uh, with a big, yeah. loud, sort of speakery mouth and everything. Like I quite that. liked um, pairing something wrong with Tauros because uh, something wrong's a, a, yeah. a Birmingham queen, Absolutely. Birmingham exactly. yeah. iconic bull ring. Absolutely, and she pulled off that. She, she did that the. Look in her Correct, uh, exactly. yeah, episode. Yeah. Yeah. The, home, the hometown episode yeah. did the bull look. I absolutely love that look. So, so that was. That's Ed being cute. Um, but unfortunately, then he goes utter garbage when, when Vinegar Strokes is... Um, Garbador. Garbador. Um, the shade, the shade the of it all. The shade of it all. I should have brought in my shade button for a Ruka Kukuku moment. But yeah. I'm quite glad you managed to get the shade of it all in there. Otherwise, I would have stepped in. Yes. So go check that story out. Obviously, there are over... Yeah, 20, 30 queens maybe that he's all matched up. Mm-hmm. Took him far too long, and I think he had <laughs> far too much fun doing it. Um, also go and check out RuPaul DragCon UK's website. Uh, tickets are still available, and we will see you there, because gaming, uh, gaming Live gaming is coming live from RuPaul's DragCon UK in one way or the other. 
that we're yet to quite figure out. I suspect it might be a, a live podcast or a recorded podcast that will splice into an episode in the future. Are you going to dare to show the queens their their parents? That's kind of the idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the idea. And I need to find the queens that get it. Like I, I, my next mm. step in the iteration of this building up to this is figuring out which of those queens is a gamer, which one I can actually approach. I kind of do desperately want to go and meet up with um, Layla McQueen because she's one of my absolute favourites. I mean, Adore Delano will absolutely get it. Pardon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yes, go check it out. Check out RuPaul's DragCon UK and we'll see you there. Um, we are back in just a minute to talk about this week's hot topic right after this break. Welcome back. I'm still here with Kirsty and Matt and we always finish up the podcast with the hot topic segment. A small discussion about a big topic. Given the fact it's 2020, our first podcast in 2020, we thought we're going to sit and talk about the games that we're looking forward to in 2020, in the year to come. Um, we have 20 games We each. have 20 games <laughs> each. Strap yourself in. If you thought the last podcast was long, this one's going to be three hours. <laughs> I see. I thought you'd make it 20 hours to coincide with the year. Yes, fair point. Or 2,020 hours. No, I've got work tomorrow. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've got shit to do. Um, I think the obvious one that we'll start with is Cyberpunk 2077. Yep which if it's not released on the 7th of July 2020, they've missed a massive marketing trick. Well, it's currently set for, I think, April. Um, oh, it might slip. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if it doesn't, just given the scale of it. But um, it'd be nice to be proven wrong. Like, have a big, like, AAA, heavily hyped game actually come out on its but are launch we, date. I, I, I think, yes, I agree. I think... Are we a bit concerned that nobody's actually had hands on with it yet? Because uh, all of no, the stuff they've been doing at festivals there's, there's, and stuff there has have been, all been one um, one hands on. Okay, um, but it was done as an exclusive with someone, someone, not us mainly. No, okay, not, fine. not us. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like they're they're very slowly ramping up access i guess april doesn't feel like a natural time to release a game either well it I don't doesn't, know. I it mean, doesn't I, quite fit the cycle you'd have thought they'd do it but that's after. i mean i i'm all for publishers stepping away from the mm. the, the the hot like um sort of times of the yeah. year yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. The, well, the, the, the sort of pattern of, of of exhibitions and gatherings and e3s and uh, egx and resident and yeah, PAXs and whatever else. Yeah, all the, all these um, crunch points. Like years and years ago, I used to work in games retail, mm. and we'd have uh, like reps coming in promising, like these games are guaranteed to be in your top ten for Christmas, and we'd have like thirty games guaranteed, quote yeah. unquote, to be in the top ten. And it just can't happen because there's there's so much coming out of these crunch points. So the more that games are spread through the year. The, the better. It's not like people stop playing video games between May and September. No, exactly. And I, I think having that space makes it land a bit easier as mm. well. I think working in the media side of things, it's, it's trying to find your space in that news cycle. If you release it outside of the main sort of frame, then who knows? Who knows? I mean, I'll be pleasantly surprised, let's put it that way, if it's out in April. But the reason, let's get back to the reason why we're talking about this, the reason we're looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077, of course, is the uh, massive sort of pro- everything 
pro-LGBT, pro-queer, pro-trans, pro-every sort of approach to this in, in terms of the character generator. It's the first major game that's going to properly step out and into this world of you can build exactly how you want to be in your world in that character. You can build it as all-female presenting with a male voice. You can mix and match parts. You can do whatever you want. And I think for... The, particularly for the trans community and also maybe the sort of genderqueer community, I think that is a great step forward. But I think as we've discussed previously, there's a big difference between uh, having a character creator that lets you do whatever you want in terms of your presentation mm. and having a game that actually champions those identities. Mm. And there's already been some controversy over some background art that has questionable representation of trans characters. So I think the the telling point will be how well the universe that you inhabit treats gender and sexual minorities rather than how well the character creator mm. treats them. Exactly. Like if you can create a, a character that perfectly replicates your identity, great. But then if you going into a universe that, you know, is full of like homophobic slurs or questionable trans representation or just general unwelcoming themes that's a different absolutely yeah yeah no i think it's i i think it's a risky sort of thing that as you say there's there's already been examples where they have misstepped um i think it's i think it's fair to say i mean obviously the poster that we were referring to from e3 um with the sort of questionable artwork was designed to shock but that's probably not the best first step to make when you're trying to make this new impression um, I'm optimistic that I think if we take a step back and look at it as a whole, I think it will be history making. Um, I hope that it doesn't get lost down its little rabbit hole of issues. I think it's such a big step that there will be some problems. Um, I don't deny that. Um, and I think that there's um, the story they're telling overall, I think the cyberpunk world, of over-sexualization will lead to more of these little snags coming out and these more little tension moments. Mm. But I think if we remember from the sort of, from the outside looking in, I think this is a very big thing and a very good thing, so long as they don't get too carried away with it. Yeah, and like, I was gonna say, it's obviously another big game to obviously add to the list that, um, you know, I appreciate obviously Overwatch have been kind of adding the sort of character stories of and the backstories and that, which has had a bit of, you know, tension come back from it from, you know, some groups. Um, and I appreciate that sometimes those groups don't want their, they just want their characters to be white cis male. That's games they want to play. Um, so I do kind of feel it might have some tension. But as you said, like, I think we do need to focus on the bigger picture. Like, this is a huge step for us as queer gamers to have this game accessible to us. Absolutely. And I, I think hopefully it's a good, it's a thing that delivers like I say, predominantly for the trans community and mm. the genderqueer community and the, the non-binary group as well. I also think it'll be interesting to see how well other characters in that universe react to you depending on your yes. um, either your romance mm. choices. Because CD Projekt Red have said you'll be able to romance pretty much anybody irrespective of how you present in the game. Um, but then if you do present as, um, say, androgynous, for instance, in the game, if non-player characters will treat you differently depending on if you yeah. mm. present masculine or feminine. No, that is interesting, yeah. I mean, it's it's too easy, really, in some ways, to sort of keep the same options together and the storytelling the same. And 
your character choices are good for you, but maybe don't have that sort of intrinsic mm. um, relation into the game sort yeah. of thing. And so. I'm not expecting like, every character in the game to be you know, super welcoming of the entire Rainbow Coalition. Yeah. Like, you know, th- yeah. there are going to be assholes in that world. Yes. And you would expect them to Absolutely. be yeah. horrible to you on whatever ground. But I just, I would be very pleased if the background characters or the non-player characters yeah. actually respond or react to who you present as in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, so that was Cyberpunk. Um, Animal Crossing uh, 2, of course, is next on my list. Um, this has been a long time coming. And it's been a long time tease coming as well, yeah. hasn't it? Uh, I, I can't allow it to take me again. <laughs> I, I put <laughs> far, far too many hours of my life into the... Hashtag um, resist Animal yeah. Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, far, far too long spent on the uh, 3DS on that game. And it's only, and it's, it's only going to get worse mm. because the amount of stuff they put together for the Switch in terms of being able to build your world outside of a house now by having to go off and go and collect stuff and then craft stuff and then recycle stuff. and It's only going to be a much bigger rabbit hole. Mm. But from a, from a mental health point You may point actually have to build some rabbits, some holes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yep. From a mental health point of view, it's actually a really positive thing. I mean, we have been sort of working on pieces around how, how video games are good for your mental health in a positive way. Um, and Animal Crossing is a name that keeps coming up again and again and again in terms of a game that is good for people to escape whatever problems they've got. They can go off and escape into their little island mm. and, and play in their little their little sandpit of, of heaven, really. Um, yeah, it was just got, um, another confession, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> Haven't actually played an Animal Crossing game, but I know I'm sorry, Matt's just inhaled a lot there. <laughs> yeah. um, some choice words maybe <laughs> after the show. Um, but yeah, like obviously I've kind of gotten into Stardew Valley um, and my time at Porsche as well recently. So I'm like, as as you said, for mental health reasons, that's kind of the, the point. You know, if I've had a bad day and I'm just like, I can just stick it on, just mm. tend to my crops, you know, that's all good. So um, yeah, when I heard obviously it was coming out, I'm probably not as hyped as you two. But I'm still hyped nonetheless to be like, okay, I need to get on this this sort of bandwagon and hopefully enjoy it. I know that we were saying earlier about, you know, play what you want to play and enjoy. So, fingers crossed. But yeah. Absolutely. Play what you want to play. Yeah. But as long as you're playing Animal Crossing. Yeah, just <laughs> Animal Crossing, that's it for 2020. Because there was the last, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, I have to admit, I'm, I played a bit of the first one. And I know other people that played a lot of the first one. But the... How are you defining first one here? Because yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Original did, did, did you OG the, the, Animal Crossing. The, the, oh, the, the one that was Japan only. And All right. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. okay, Animal Crossing nerd. <laughs> Which, okay, I'm going to ask a different question. Which was the Animal Crossing that went a bit gay? Mm. Because there was one, wasn't there? There was an animal, was it New Leaf that had a particularly LGBT aspect to it? One of the characters has like a pink scarf on and it's always been a bit vague over whether... Oh. They are or they aren't, and uh, being Japan, they're not going to admit it, but they kind of put it in I, there for everyone else. I, I could be well off here, but I'm visualizing a hippo here. Yeah, hippo that's what was in my head scarf, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that Welcome to Game that Magazine, the knowledge <laughs> of, <laughs> of all LGBT gaming. Um, yeah, right in, join us. New Leaf, the, the 3DS one. Yes, New yeah. Leaf was definitely yeah. the one where um, they started to sort of veer into the... Mm. 
if not like overtly gay, because it's still Animal Crossing and it's from Japan. They were certainly fabulous. Yes, exactly. They, they were living their best life mm. uh, and enjoying it along the way. And the mayor opened a glory hole or something. I don't know. I'm, I made that last bit. <laughs> I made that last bit. Up. Maybe it's a good thing I didn't actually start playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Animal. No, I can't think no, of a decent pun. No, um, you, you do not want Nintendo's lawyers hearing that. Oh, God, yeah, fair point. Yeah, yeah. please don't sue me, Nintendo. <laughs> I blame Amy. <laughs> just tweet at Hi Honey, it's Amy. I always blame Amy for everything. It's either that or they're just going to cancel Animal Crossing just for you. <laughs> and then that's yes. it. And then literally my entire life's going to be cancelled by all of the Animal Crossing fans because I <laughs> contribute to its single downfall by querying how oh. many glory holes the mayor has in his office. <laughs> That must be a fan theory, though. That could be a fan theory. Yeah. That, that could be fanfic, and it almost certainly is. There's probably... That, knowing the internet, there's probably some porno out there. Mm. Um, that's Animal Crossing. I'm going to Google it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not, please no, don't. No, no, I went, I went, I went. Back away from the phone. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's change the topic. But still staying in the uh, non-violent gaming area of brilliant animation, as, as regular listeners of the podcast will know, you can imagine what's going to come out of my mouth next. Which is a Lego game. From you, I am, I am sure. I know. Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. Now, I'm not having another Star Wars discussion on this podcast. <laughs> so we're not going to talk about the films, but I'm going to be interested to see. Because this, this, is, this is a brand new game used in the first time, I believe, they've actually used a new engine as well. So it's not just another rehash of the same mechanics of every other Lego game. But this is a complete retelling of the full nine films. Nine so films. the first three chapters are going to be uh, trade discussions. Yes, first you're literally going to sit there trying to re- re- reorganize trade in the Galactic Empire, <laughs> um, and just sort of like collecting and trading gold bits and smashing stuff up and stuff. But no, it's obviously Lego Star Wars was actually the very first Lego game they ever produced way back when, um, which was the classic trilogy. Um, you're looking at me slightly queerly. <laughs> not in that Is sense. Is that not just no, in general? No, okay, fine. Um, I'm 90% sure <laughs> that, that Lego Star Wars was the very first Star Wars, uh, the very first Lego game that was that was made, which was the original, original, original trilogy, the 70s and mm-hmm. 80s trilogy. Then they added Lego Star Wars 2 later in life, which added in the prequels as well. They were super, super basic in proper sort of each level lasted about two minutes. You ran through, you, ver- you followed a very straight uh, na- almost side scroller sort of narrative of just smash this, smash that, beat him, done, move on. Um, and of course, it was back in the day of the grunting Lego Star Wars, uh, the, the grunting Lego games, mm-hmm. um, which was all sort of like mm, and uh, all that sort of stuff and holding up funny signs, etc. Yeah. This obviously is a complete redo from the beginning all the way through of all nine films, brand new, told. They did a great Lego game um, of the um, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. They didn't bother doing one about The Last Jedi because they knew what was coming and they put all their effort into the, like, the final wrap-up of the nine films. Um, but if, if The Force Awakens one is anything to go by, with multiple planets to be explored, huge sort of sandbox uh, arenas, loads of different sort of side challenges, talking obviously about replayability earlier of Sayonara Wild Hearts, and this is, you can waste hours yeah. on lego games mm-hmm. um and I, I imagine as someone as a completionist like you cast it's yeah, dangerous i was just about to say chime <laughs> in with um obviously like the the lego harry potter games um that came out that covered the sort of first four films and then the last mm. four game 
Um, and yeah, I just remember kind of um, playing them both as just by myself and then also with my cousin, um, sitting in my bedroom for hours upon hours upon hours mm -hmm. just to get that. 100% so yeah I can obviously yep. can yep. em empathise with your finding I all the gold blocks finding <gasps> all the mini kits finding all the red blocks yeah there was many of my slash mornings exactly. <laughs> but yeah I mean I you know again I'm probably harping on about obviously just chill games as you said non-violent games for you know just chilling out um and such so, yeah. I, th I think we've seen a big rise over the past 12 months 18 mm. months of of this real sort of like crest of non-violent games that started to really push back at some of the the hyper-realized stuff as well. Yeah. So it's not just a non-violent thing, but also moving away from trying to make it ultra sort of realistic uh, graphics and stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously, Untitled Goose is in there, but that's not a non-violent game because the goose is very violent. Mm -hmm. Anything to prove? Oh, on, um, your, on your Googling about Star Wars like and Very, Lego. very technically, there was uh, an earlier Harry Potter one, but it wasn't in the vein of the, yeah. the Star Wars game, uh, so the Lego I'm, games that we know. So my Lego knowledge is complete. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll take that roughly. <laughs> um, they're my three. Um, there are obviously bits and others we can talk about as well, but is there anything that's on your lists? Um, so for me is um, the upcoming game from Don't Nod. Um developers that have done Life is Strange in the past and they've got their upcoming release of Tell Me Why uh, which is coming out on Xbox exclusively and then PC I believe mm -hmm. um, and this is going to be the first game that you are playing as a trans um, person which is amazing um, to be able to have that option in games now so I'm very much looking forward to that um, just you know as a massive fan of the, the storytelling and um, the stories they provide as well um, recently wrapped up Life is Strange 2 just before Christmas and it was just fantastic so um, yeah if you haven't already played those games go out and play them um, but yeah that's very much what I'm looking forward to so I believe it's the same sort of mechanics of obviously um, I'm presuming episodically um, yeah, again which is an interesting way of doing it I remember obviously with Telltale obviously rest in peace um, with The Walking Dead and obviously I kind of got very much on the episodic um, bandwagon there it was just nice to kind of not have it all dumped at once and you can you know spam through it in eight hours or whatever so yeah well, I think the difference is it's more of a story to explore isn't it mm. and I think that's the sort of that's a very powerful way I mean you've got two very opposing games there haven't you you've got Cyberpunk which is a game where you can build any variation of trans that you want to do but you're playing very much an action-driven game, mm -hmm. um, whereas this is going to be much more storytelling, and it, it also is a game where you have to play as a trans character. Yes. And I think that's really important, mm -hmm. is the fact that games are good, games can be educational, and games, you can live through other people's experiences in games. And I think having a platform, or a game, I should say, where you are, you, you have to. You have to tell, you have to live this story. You mm -hmm. are a trans person in this game. And I think that's only a good thing. Yeah. I also think it's going to be quite interesting the way the um, the choices you make will factor into the relationship between the, uh, the two siblings because it focuses mm -hmm. on two reunited twins, one of whom has realised that they were mm. trans mm. Um, and how that relationship is rebuilt over the course of the game and presumably over the course of the episodes yeah. is going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, no, it's, 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 we're very much looking forward to it. Mm. Um, we spoke a bit about it on the last show with uh, Mia, who's our, our resident trans Twitch streamer, um, and she was very much looking forward to it as well. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Matt? Um, there's a few coming up. Mm -hmm. 
Ori and the Will of the Wisps, I'm really looking forward to. Um, loved the first one. Um, beautifully animated, um, hard as nails, Metroidvania. Um, hopefully the second one will be perhaps a bit more forgiving with the checkpointing. <laughs> um, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I'm really looking forward to. Um, it'll be interesting to see, I think particularly if they lean in at all with um, the, the Turks characters being um, a little bit pretty boy and <laughs> the, there's a certain fan contingent that right. uh, there always is with these that, yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that, that read a lot into the, the relationship between um, the two main Turks in the original release mm -hmm. and it'd be interesting to see if that's something that they've expanded on for, for this uh, I don't see any of the the core cast uh, suddenly coming out in this version, but um, I'm, from what I've played of it again previously at E3, mm. um, it's shaping up uh, mechanically to be fantastic. I think it's always disappointing, isn't it? In some ways, wow, I say disappointing. It, it's it's always interesting how with a lot of games we have to wait until they come out, to come out to literally find out if anyone's come out in the game, mm. um, unless there's something like um, Tell Me Why or other things that are very much advertised from the get-go as being an LGBT-focused game. Um, I think ultimately the problem with that is uh, good old capitalism. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, exactly. And it, you need, exactly, people need to sell their games. Yeah, so. and, but, but not just um, to domestic markets. Mm. It's like, so when um, Blizzard revealed uh, Tracer mm -hmm. was lesbian and that, that that wasn't even in the game it was in an online comic mm -hmm. and it got censored in Russia I believe yes. and uh, perhaps some other countries yeah. um, given that she's Russian Tracer's British British Russian who's the Russian one um I don't really play Overwatch. Me so. neither. As yeah. you can tell, uh, forgive my tra trace, Tracer's got like the 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 awful. Come on, governor. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Why did I think Cockney accent? I mean, that's there was something the about there was something ages ago in Overwatch about there being something. Oh, Zarya. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. It. Yes. There was something about there was a question mark either around her being something. The, there was deliberately, <laughs> and did they do that to to rile up yeah, the, the Russians? Yeah. The, there's there's a, there's a, a fan reading of Zarya as being trans. That was yes. it. Um, yes. Nothing that, to my knowledge, has been confirmed in the supplemental material. Like Got there it. has been with like Soldier Seventy Six yes. and Tracer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So Tracer's bag of chips, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. That's two in a row. I mean, I'm looking at it. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Um, Carry on. Yeah, but like in certain countries, just having an overt gay character could get your game like an adult rating yeah. or removed from sale entirely. So mm. I don't agree with it, but I can understand why some publishers are, particularly with like AAA mm. titles, are a bit cagey about this character is going to be yeah, gay yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. They because leave, leave that one to be discovered rather than yeah. necessarily lean yeah. on it. Um, and then probably my third pick for upcoming games um, is probably going to be Doom Eternal. Oh yeah. Um, just because they're so much dumb fun, and like they're yeah. they're as far from uh, a hyper realistic shooter as you can get. There's there's none of that awkward like I've just blown somebody's <laughs> head off. I've mm. just blown up a flying brain with gun arms. Yeah, it's exactly. it's, yeah. it's cathartic dumb shooting um, and it looks really really polished and the the 2016 Doom reboot sort of reboot yeah. um, was fun so this looks like a really good evolution yeah. of that 
Is there anything cool on the sort of VR front coming out? Um, the one that's on my radar uh, for VR, um, and there's possibly an accidental pun in there, actually, because uh, <laughs> is Marvel's Iron Man VR, yes. um, which looks super interesting. Um, it's coming, I think, exclusively to PSVR. Mm. Um, I think it's out next month. Um, but just the idea of being in and piloting an Iron Man exactly. suit looks like it could be fantastic. I mean, that's almost tailor-made for VR, isn't it? Because you, you yeah. see on the films, obviously, how Tony has the displays and whatever around his face. Yeah, he's his got face. his in, internal yeah, hook. Exactly. Yeah. He is basically got a thing on his head. So yeah. you are sort of living that moment mm. of, of putting an Iron Man suit on. I'll be interested to see how well it translates to PSVR because as we were mm. talking about earlier, you've got the tether. So you're yeah. not going to have you know, a full degree yeah. of movement with it. But um, as I said, other games like Farpoint work quite well in VR. Um, I've, I'm a little more excited for that than I am uh, the Avengers game that Square Enix are doing. Oh, it's in, yeah, isn't that fascinating? Oh. That I, I, I'm sat here, a massive Marvel fan. Did it cross my radar? Mm. No, it, it hasn't. It's weird, like the what they've shown so far has been so um, cautious. Mm. I think I'd say like they've shown very little gameplay. Um, the first reveal they did at E3 uh, 2019 was very plastic looking. Mm. Mm. Um, they've obviously not got the the rights to use like say. Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson's but likenesses. Yeah. So that, but then they've they've ended up with something that's kind of it looks like off-brand Avengers. I, I, I think, despite not actually being based on the movies, I think that's the I think that's the point is the fact that I and I don't know whether it was a conscious choice over the fact they couldn't get the rights, or whether they wanted to do a very separate kind of thing. So, uh, sorry, I'm going back to Lego for a second. So <laughs> Lego has two Avengery sort of games. One's Mar- one is Marvel's Earth's Mightiest Heroes, um, or one is Marvel Avengers Assemble, and the, one the, is there's Avengers. Le- there's Lego Marvel Avengers, yes. and then there's uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes. That's the one, yes. Um, did, did I just out Lego Yes, you? whatever, <laughs> whatever, it happens. I've got a cold. Um, and... And one of them is based on the films, and so uses the film references and uses the film costumes. And one of them is based on just general storytelling. And the, well, it's the, the comics, so it exactly, yes, the, the, the slightly obscure uh, comic characters uh, from the comics. Uh, the slightly adjacent one with the slightly adjacent sort of costume choices. I think that's what they're going for on this game, and I think that's what's disappointing a lot of people that, that didn't quite get that reference is the fact that when people watched the footage or played a bit of the preview or whatever at these festivals and YouTubes and whatever. They're like, oh, that's done a bad job of looking like Chris Evans. And it's like, he's not meant to look like Chris Evans. He's meant to be Captain America. Mm. And I, but, I, but then to, to go with designs that yeah. are clearly meant to evoke Chris yes, Evans. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they should have gone, yeah. if they're going to do anything, they should have gone back to some of the uh, the comic book or the, it, the Marvel's in-house mm. style sheets of the characters and built off that. Exactly. And then edged towards like a realistic look well, yeah. rather than try and go for something that is meant to remind people of, say, Chris Hemsworth yeah. or well, that's Jeremy it. And, Renner. And, and I think they, the voice they did for Tony, um, Tony Stark Iron Man, was mm. so close to Robert De, uh, Robert De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> so close to Robert Downey Jr. Um, that it's still not, it's just not sort of, it just doesn't work. And it, it's it's too close. So I'm just picturing Robert De Niro inside <laughs> yeah. the Iron Man yeah. HUD now. <laughs> yeah. Just going up to, are you looking at me? Um, no. Um, yeah. So I, I think the it, it's an interesting choice. 
And what's more interesting is that this should be a huge tentpole game. But none of us sat here and thought, oh, yeah, like Marvel's Yeah, Avengers. I kind of forgot it was a thing until Matt said it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a game that's coming out. Which bodes well. And, and I know that Ed um, for gaming was at um, uh, EGX last year and mm. did a little preview of it and with the experience that mm. he was shown. And he sort of said the same sort of thing, which is like, it, it doesn't feel right. Because it doesn't feel like it, it, it doesn't feel like the films, and it, but it doesn't feel like the comics, mm. and it, it's, it's occupying this weird space of they've maybe tried to do the films, but sort of ended up ripping off <laughs> cheap cab versions of the characters or yeah. whatever. It's I mean, I'm interested by the fact that it's going to reportedly focus primarily, or at least early on, it's going to primarily focus on Kamala Khan, the new Ms. Mm. Marvel, because mm-hmm. um, she is a uh, a a great new character of the last 10 years yep. and be uh, a really great sort of every person character to be the the footstep into this world um but everything i've seen so far from like the, the gameplay just looks really generic it, it looks like a ps3 game it's also very cutscene well. yeah. yeah like some heavy cutscenes. Mm. i mean hopefully we'll be Massively proven wrong, and it'll be amazing when it comes out. But I'm I do hope so. I'm a big Marvel fan, yeah. and I am looking forward to getting my hands on it. But it's interesting how we're not sort of seeing that yeah. as a game of the year that we're looking forward to. But Iron Man VR, though, Iron Man, Man VR mm-hmm. sounds amazing, and it, it still won't convince me to buy a VR kit. <laughs> but I'll come around and I'll borrow yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the last one I'm going to talk about um, is a obviously the, the indie market is where. 90% of all our decent LGBT stories are sort of pulled out from. And the flip side of that, obviously, is that the indie market are the ones that don't have the money necessarily for big marketing campaigns. So these are the ones that do sort of like creep out at the last minute and surprise us. Now, a good sort of halfway house here is um, Murder by Numbers um, from Mediatonic um, and from um, the people behind such all those wonderful games and the amazing Ed Fear. Um, who obviously is a good friend of Game Magazine um, and who is an LGBT member himself. Now, Murder by Numbers uh, describes uh, blending campy 90s TV detective sleuthing uh, with Picross, um, and it's from the devs of um, Hatterful Boyfriend and Swords of Ditto. So you can sort of see the, the sort of slightly weird mashup of sort yeah. of styles that we're mm. going in in this one. Um, we are working as we speak, actually, hopefully getting an interview with Ed um, about the game. This, again, it, he's been working on something secret in inverted commas for the last couple of years that I've known him. Um, and then sort of like came, came sort of like running out the gates with this one. Um, but this is like, it, it's, it's manga, it's puzzles, it's uh, Picross, um, and it's going to have some good, strong, wholesome LGBT content in it. Um, Ed's already confirmed that with us. Um, and he's written a lot of those characters from good um, opinions, good experiences, and and having sort of like good um, people working on the team as well. So that is a game that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, I think that'd be a good... It's a good example of one of those positive LGBT games that's done not in that AAA space, but again, it's not quite indie. So Mm -hmm. I think it's it's occupying quite a nice little space there. Sounds Ooh, interesting. Another one I just thought of um, while we're on the Mediatonic one, um, Fall Guys. Fall Guys. Um, not Fall Guys, Fall Guys, as in falling over. Um, more nonviolent, more party game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about getting a group of people from one side of a bridge to another. 
And it is, it, you, you start off with a hundred of these little um, blobby characters and you literally have to just get as many of them across the bridge uh, to complete the level. And that's your score. But so in, a little bit like old school Lemmings? Yeah. Yeah. Or I, like I was going to say Takeshi's Castle um, <laughs> in a sort of an analog, non-gaming kind of way. Um, but it's sort of... But you get all these sort of swinging things and different things sort of like falling around, the bridge tilting, and you literally are trying to shepherd as many of these things across the bridge as possible to get to the other side. Um, I, I think that, my prediction, is that's going to be the party game of, of 2020. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think that's it. I think 2020 is very exciting. I think we've got a lot to look forward to. Um, and I think I'm really, really looking forward to see where all the sort of LGBT stories go as well. Um, I'm looking forward to being surprised by some of these ones that are sort of tucking those storylines away, as you say, for mm. political reasons. Um, Particularly with um, with Overwatch 2. Uh, with, yeah. with, Absolutely, with we haven't talked about Overwatch 2, have we? Into the game. Yes. Uh, wh- whether, mm, you know, yes. Tracer and Soldier 76 may go, you know, quietly back into the closet. Mm. I, I'm, I'm optimistic that won't be the case. I, I think there's been far too much done and there's been far too much celebrated about that to necessarily to worry about that whether whether that demands sort of like good storylines however i think they'll be there and i think they'll be who they are whether soldier 76 will be uh sort of positively talking about his partner his husband his boyfriend whoever um and likewise tracer then i think that'll be interesting to see Mm. um yeah yeah it's whether they make the subtext text yes true Fair oh. point. Yeah, exactly. Or how, or how sort of loud they make the subtext, yeah. I suppose. Because it's easy to keep that material in background or supplemental mm. material into into its, you know, if you'll forgive the appropriation of the term from Star Wars, its expanded universe. <laughs> yeah. um, but if it's if it's then quietly just never mentioned in the actual in-game story that we're going to see in some form in Overwatch 2, exactly. then it's as good as saying their sexuality isn't important to the character because it's going to offend somebody in mm. Russia or China or anywhere else that Blizzard have you know strong yeah. economic interests. And we certainly don't want another Star Wars. Um, oh, I never said we wouldn't talk about Star Wars. We we certainly don't want another Star Wars sort of kiss in the background that can be easily edited out for. Which uh, um, <laughs> we talked about this last time, and that is exactly what happened in Singapore. In, in Singapore. Yes. That, that, that two seconds got yep. snipped out because there was yep. it was so it was a perfectly portioned presented yeah. in it was a, a way perfectly that, portioned. Yeah bit of thing bit of film they could easily exercise um excise and then that's it they just sort of like snip that out for the for the non-gay areas yeah. and they just put it back in again when it wants to be gay again but did you know finn and poe are super super straight which is why they both got new girlfriends yes exactly yeah let's not go down that rabbit hole um that's the end of our episode before we get to back into star wars <laughs> <laughs> That's in the episode. Um, a big thank you to my guests, Matt and Kirsty, and an even bigger thank you to you all for listening. We're going to be back again in two weeks' time with our next episode, but in the meantime, keep up with all the LGBTQ video gaming stories on Gaming Magazine, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter so you don't miss any of these amazing stories. We are at Gaming Mag, G-A-Y-M-I-N-G, Mag. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of our new episodes. See you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.